This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. This is a podcast about reckoning, recovery, and redemption. We share our experience, strength, and hope. Tonight I bring you episode 12, As We Are. As usual, there are three things I'd like to remind my listeners regarding. Number one, this is not an AA meeting. I want everyone to, especially as we approach the holidays and we really get closer to a lot of slippery places emotionally and physically in our lives, Um, And I don't mean slippery like you're going to slip on the street. You know what I mean. Um, Physically slippery, meaning bars, parties, holiday parties, Christmas parties at your firm, things like that. Um, This is a tough time for those of us in recovery for so many reasons. So I really encourage everyone to ramp up your, your program. Double down on your meetings. Call your sponsor every day. Call those people you sponsor every day. Stay close to your program. It will keep you alive and it will keep you sober this holiday season. Um, so this, pro- this podcast is not an AA meeting. It's just a compliment or a supplement to your program. I'm not a therapist. I strongly encourage all my listeners to have... Uh, a, a connection to a mental health provider as I think that if you're in recovery or thinking about recovery or struggling with substances or anything like that, uh, a mental health counselor of your liking is certainly a great as- asset to have. But I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. This is not meant to be medical advice. It's just recovery advice and count- and, and comfort and service on my part. Um, And third, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. And uh, last night at a meeting, they had a really great session on the um, 11th tradition. And I really enjoyed it a lot. And and it's interesting, you know, uh, hearing the different takes um, on, on what it means to maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And the question of whether Dr. Bob, um, you know, Dr. Bob was uh, uh, supposedly said at some point that maintaining your anonymity at a level other than press, radio, and film was actually a violation. You know, that you're not supposed to be anonymous in the rooms. Um, I'm not sure if I'm interpreting that correctly, and I haven't seen that. That was a share that I heard, so who knows. Um, But... My anonymity is very important to me. If you'd like to reach out to me, please feel free to do so um, at extravagantpromisespodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at at extravagantpromisespodcast. You can DM me. Um, I ask that you preserve my anonymity at all costs and that you not dox or out me. Um, I've had my anonymity breached in over my, the course of my recovery, and it's no fun at all. Um, and, 
it certainly hurts. I, I will do everything in my power to always maintain the confidentiality and the anonymity of those who communicate with me. And I have had a number of people communicate with me, and it is um, just incredible. I love it. I really do love it. And it makes me feel so good that people are listening. And maybe I'm bringing a little bit of, like I said, that, that candle that's lit and somebody can light their candle to it and, and bring some light out in the world. Um, and I love getting comments and things, especially the positive ones. <laughs> um, so please, uh, you know, remember that anonymity is important to everybody. And finally, um, not that anyone really cares, but I, this is a free endeavor and I will never accept or solicit compensation or contributions. I, this is a form of, of my service to the recovery world. So thank you and enjoy the podcast. So this is episode 12 and it is called As We Are. And I got that title from the quote from Anais Nin, who was a often quoted on the internet, uh, philosopher, poet, um, diarist, essayist, um, had a very, very long name, uh, but was a French American, um, thinker who, who said a number of things, but one of them was, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And that really hit me hard because, um, it, it, it made me really think about that in the context of recovery in both, you know, these things that I've talked about with the concept of gaslighting. Um, and so there, there, there are two concepts that I'd like to bring out with that quote tonight in, in the discussion within the universe of recovery is, is first the notion of, of what you sell. And, you know, and, and this is a phrase that, you know, my, a lot of people in my life have told me and, um, and really my therapist recently made this comment. She said, um, you don't sell anxiety. You don't sell fear. You don't sell incompetence. You don't sell worry. You sell competent, default, aggressive, uh, cool, calm, very proficient at getting things done and handling whatever life you self resilience. And it's incredible to me that, that that's the perception because, and, and it explains a lot, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's really hard to have these two extremes in your life of, of almost extreme separate realities. There's, there's what you sell or what other people are buying, let's say, and perceiving. And there's what you experience. And so that's why this quote is so important is like, it, we don't see things as they are, you know, meaning like, as what? As other people see them? As the world? Is there just a base, a baseline of truth? But we see them as we are. So you know, and that that shows it. It's kind of like, uh, what's it called? The uh, I don't think it's Heisenberg principle necessarily, but Schrodinger's Schrodinger's cat. You know, it's 
it's like the the reality of what we see that's how things are because it's what it's how you are and so if you're someone like me that inside i'm riddled with anxiety i'm riddled with fear i'm riddled with insecurity um i don't sell that apparently and i've never it's just yeah, I don't know. I mean, but, but, and maybe it's made it worse, you know, that I don't sell that anxiety. And so therefore I perpetuate a more confident and forceful personality that attracts more shame inducing type comments and things like, I don't know, you know, but, but I just love this quote because it, it, it lets me also you know, so that's the number one is, is the idea of what you sell. And then number two is gaslighting. You know, as we all know in, in recovery, you know, we did things that are shameful and we did things that we're, we're ashamed of. And we're, we're, we did things that are, that were not esteemable and it hurt our self-esteem, but, but certainly we also opened ourselves up to, in our, in our suffering, we opened ourselves up to kind of those who are the, you know, self-proclaimed guardians of the real world telling us what, what the truth was about things. And, and that wasn't always true. It wasn't the, the truth and the reality that we were being sold was not always true. I mean, there, there's a great movie called Gaslight, I think, that, that explores this theme. But the other one that's recent was one called Girl on a Train, um, and it's tough to watch because, you know, there's that, the, the whole, it's very tough to watch for someone in recovery. Um, but the whole concept of essentially being lied to about what happens in blackouts or things like that, you know, you, yeah. Are you contributorily negligent? I mean, did you walk yourself into these situations where you're not seeing the truth? Yeah. But at the same time, you could be clear and lucid and sober and being told, you know, people around you telling you just this alternate, you know, they have a casual relationship with truth and, 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 and don't mind perpetuating falsehood to you. And that, that happened to me and that is just horrible. But anyway, you know, the final port kind of component of this as we are is, is this notion of, you know, I urge, I urge you fellow humans, fellow travelers, you know, fellow souls, I urge you to remember that everyone you encounter in the rooms and out, you know, maybe, maybe the world as they see it isn't as bright and rosy. Maybe they're selling confidence or selling bullshit or whatever it is, resilience, moxie. Maybe they're not so confident. You know, maybe they're not, maybe, maybe they're, maybe inside they're, they're just like you, you know? So, um, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to, to kind of start on that topic. And I think it's important. Richard Corey by Edwin Arlington Robinson. Whenever Richard Corey went downtown, we people on the pavement looked at him. He was a gentleman from soul to crown, clean favored and imperially slim. And he was always quietly arrayed, and he was always human when he talked. But still he fluttered pulses when he said, good morning, and he glittered when he walked. 
And he was rich, yes, richer than a king, and admirably schooled in every grace. In fine, we thought that he was everything. To my apologies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. First time I, I was kind of deep into a segment and uh, my phone rang um, because I use I record this podcast on my phone through an app called Anchor. Um, I sometimes get interrupted um, and it's usually I just edit it out, but so why don't we start that poem over again because I don't want to go back and record the whole segment. Richard Corey. Whenever Richard Corey went downtown, we people on the pavement looked at him. He was a gentleman from soul to crown, clean favored and imperially slim. And he was always quietly arrayed and he was always human when we talked. But still he fluttered pulses when he said, good morning, and he glittered when we walked, when he walked. And he was rich, yes, richer than a king, and admirably schooled in every grace. In fine, we thought that he was everything to make us wish that we were in his place. So on we worked and waited for the light and went without the meat and cursed the bread. And Richard Corey, one calm summer night, went home and put a bullet through his head. And that was first published in 1897. Again, that was Edward Edwin Arlington Robinson. And I was uh, required to memorize that poem when I was a junior in high school. And I never really understood it. I mean, I did. I did. You know, I understood it in a, in a, in a broad way. You know, this idea of, of, you know, you don't really know what's in a man's head or a woman's head, and you don't know what struggles they have. But certainly has come full circle for me to understand it in this context of as we are and in my recovery and in my struggles. Because I think there are a lot of people out there, like like my therapist said, I don't sell that, you know, and probably a lot of people think I'm some sort of, you know, cocky, got the world by the tail kind of guy a lot of my life. And it certainly came crashing down around me. And I think a lot of people were surprised, you know, that, that I could be felled or that I thought I was felled. And a lot of people still are surprised when I say that I'm in recovery. Um, you know, they, you know, they'll, no one ever says, I want you to start drinking again. Let me just say that there are people who say like I had no idea or wow you know but they don't really know me um and uh you know that's just that's just very interesting so um so I'd like to kind of turn to the concept of what what we're saying is that you know what you sell as we are you know as it's 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 as you are um and, and, and what happened to you, you're out there, you know, are you, are you selling to the world or, or, and, and not, and, and please understand, I don't look at it as fraud. I don't look at it. And, and I hope you don't either that, that you're selling something that's fake. You're not being yourself. You know, I mean, obviously every single first step AA chip says to thy, to thyself be true, thy own self be true, you know? Um, and, yeah, I mean, 
I, I don't think it's like, well, that person's fake. They're really insecure inside and they're, you know, or they sell insecurity, but they're really confident inside. I mean, that's, that's such nonsense and just judgmental BS. The, the truth of it is, is you are who you are and you may not know what you're selling. You may not be actively, you may, you may even be trying to sell something in terms of your projecting image and, and nobody's buying it. You know, so I, I just think it's like, what is the image that is that, that someone else is seeing of you? And it could be entirely vile and that and that you don't you, you can't control it. You don't know it. You're trying to live a sober, honest, character driven life. And, and somebody thinks you're, you know, a lowest whale dung on the bottom of the ocean. Well, I mean, that doesn't mean you're selling that it doesn't mean they're buying it. That's what they want to see. But my point being. You know, this, this, to me, I think there, that, that beneath the surface, everyone has a tough battle. And we've heard that quote. I will tell everybody, it's my understanding that there are a lot of coffee mugs and bumper stickers out there that attribute the, like, be kind, everybody's fighting a hard fight or something to Plato. And I've always taken issue with this, this notion that, you know, Gandhi said something, I mean, or Mother Teresa, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I actually think, it would be really funny to have, you know, those those kind of false memes where it's you know something like every man for himself, Mother Teresa. But um, but no, Plato did not say that. In fact, that quote comes from a gentleman named Ian McLaren um, at the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and it was it was quoted around the in World War One often. But but he wrote an article or an essay. It was called Courtesy. And I'd like to submit it because, you know, it's, it's, we're coming on the holidays. This is a, this is a grand time, a, a beautiful time for a lot of people. And it is an awful time for a lot of, it is an incredibly lonely time for people. And, you know, think about that, the holiday cheer, and maybe you're sober and you're going to your firm's Christmas party, your company's bash, and you got to pretend to have a good time. You know, or maybe there's, you know, old Joan or Tanya in the corner who nobody talks to, you know, and you think, well, you know, what, you know, be nice. Remember that, that, remember that it's not, it's not as it is. It's not, it's not, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are, you know, and remember that. So. A vast distinction must be drawn between manners, which have to do with form and that which lies between behind manners and is infinitely more serious, courtesy. It is by the soul and not by any trick of speech that we ought to estimate our fellow man, and he who fears God and loves his brother demands honor at our hands. This was this gentleman, Ian McLaren. Courtesy is really doing unto others as you be done unto, and the heart of it lies in a careful consideration for the feelings of other people. It comes from putting oneself in his neighbor's place and trying to enter his mind. And it demands a certain suppression of oneself and a certain delicate sympathy neighbor. The man beside us also has a hard fight with an unfavoring world, with strong temptations, with doubts and fears, with wounds of the past which have skinned over, but which smart when they are touched. It is a fact, however surprising. 
And when this occurs to us, we are moved to deal kindly with him, to bid him be of good cheer, to let him understand that we are also fighting a battle. We are bound not to irritate him, nor press him hardly, press hardly upon him, nor help his lower self. We must feel as a brother toward the man beside us and, to, and say to him the things that we should like to have said to us and treat him as we should desire to be treated when our hands, when, when our hands are hanging down and our hearts are heavy. And this is the very essence of courtesy. Just because the machinery of life is apt to be heated, one keenly appreciates those who are ever deftly pouring in the cooling oil by their patience and their tact, their sweetness and their sympathy. And one resents keenly that class of people who are honest and well-meaning but are persistently discourteous. No man has a right to lecture his neighbor or to intrude upon his neighbor's privacy or to wound his neighbor's feelings. And when he does so in his role of the plain spoken man, then he ought to be made to understand the difference between reality and rudeness. And so we come back to this notion, um, this phrase that be kind. I think it, and, and it was be to, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And I've, read, I've heard that said as be pitiful, meaning, meaning to, to have pity on people for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And I go back to that quote, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. And so if you think about that in that mirror, you're fighting a hard battle. And so you see things as a hard battle. But try so hard to, 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 to have empathy, to see the wisps of smoke of your soul, the, wisp, the, 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 the mist of your soul inside the soul of another, and to know that they're fighting the hard battle, especially this Christmas, this Thanksgiving, this holiday season, those people in recovery. You know, think they might be, they might talk the game, oh, we do as we do and all that stuff and hard talking in meetings and all. But just remember, they might be white knuckling it. So I'm going to close and just say, you know, um, I, like I said, I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor and I sponsor other men. And um, I was supposed to meet one of the men I sponsor at our regular meeting and we were going to work on the fourth step. And he informed me that he had relapsed and was in detox. And I wasn't going to be able to talk to him for a while. And it really hit me hard. And I felt, you know, my first reaction as a lot of, you know, was all about me, of course. But I thought, you know, I let this guy down. I was a bad sponsor in some way. Of course, that's not true. But, I, but that was what I thought. And so I did the right thing, which was, you know, I told him that I was, I was here for him. You know, I, I get it. And I'd love to see or talk to him when he gets out. And then I called my sponsor. And my sponsor told me about Bill W. in the early days. And I guess there was a time when they had had like 85 people come through their house or their, their program. And all 85, 84 had, had lapsed, had relapsed and had drunk again. And Bill W. turned to his wife and he said, I'm down, you know. We've, we've treated or we've, we've worked with 84 people 
and every one of them has gone out and had a drink and relapsed. And his wife looked at him. And um, this got my sponsor choked up. It gets me choked up too, guys. Wow, can't believe it. But anyway, um, she looked at him and she said, all 84 have relapsed, but you haven't. Remember, it's as we are. We see them as we are. Stay strong tonight. Stay sober tonight. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comp comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. God, my higher power, tonight, please help me do thy will. And please give me the strength to know that, that and to approach people and, uh, and everyone that I approach and encounter, to deal kindly with them to bid them to be of good cheer, to let them understand that we are also fighting a battle, to help me be bound not to irritate him or them, nor to press hardly upon them, nor help their lower selves. Please help me feel as a brother toward the man beside me and to say to him the things that I should like to have said to me and to treat me treat him as I would desire to be treated when my hands are hanging down and my heart is heavy. Please help me to know and to exude and to exhibit the essence of courtesy. Dear God, amen. Good night.